Section sixteen of Memoirs of Miss Sidney Biddulph. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Memoirs of Miss Sidney Biddulph by Francis Sheridan. Volume two. September the twenty second. I was surprised to-day by a visitor to my mother. Miss Birchill came to pay her respects to her. I have told you they corresponded. My mother, it seems, had given her notice of the time she intended being in town. The young lady had been to wait on her in St. James Street, and was from thence directed by the servant who kept the house to our new lodgings. She is really a very lovely young woman, and there is something so insinuating in her manner that there is no seeing her without being prejudiced in her favour. She changed colour when my mother presented me to her by name, but at the same time surveyed me with a scrutinous eye. My mother asked her had she seen Mr. Falkland since his return to England. She answered no, with a sigh, but that she believed he had been at Putney. "'To see his son,' said my mother, without reflecting that Miss Birchill had avoided mentioning that circumstance, and stopped upon naming the place where the child was at nurse. "'Yes,' she replied, in a timorous accent, and stealing a look at me. The woman told me that a young gentleman had been there about six weeks ago, who said he came from the child's father abroad, and made her a handsome present. As I did not know Mr. Falkland was returned to England, I should not have suspected it was himself who had called, if his housekeeper that gentlewoman in whose care he left me had not come to me from him she is settled now in a lodging-house and mr falkland on his coming to london went to her to inquire where the child was she told me he inquired civilly after me and gave her a letter for me which the good-natured woman joyfully brought me but it contained nothing but a bill of a hundred pounds with two or three lines, polite indeed, but not kind, to inform me it was for the child's use, and I have heard nothing of him since. My mother told her that, as Mr. Falkland was returned again, probably to continue in England, she did not despair of his being brought to do her justice, especially as she must suppose the sight of a child had made an impression on him she then without ceremony entered into a detail of my unhappy story she was full of it and being as you know of a very communicative temper made no scruple to inform miss birchill of every particular she seemed very much affected with the story and grew red and pale by turns especially at finding her aunt so deeply concerned in it she exclaimed against her barbarity reproached mr arnold for his injurious suspicions and condoled obligingly with me on the wrongs i had received and yet my cecilia would you believe it i thought i could discover through all this that miss birchill was not entirely free from doubt in regard to my innocence this observation I gathered only from certain looks that she cast at me, as my mother related the passages. 
there are little minute touches on the countenance sometimes which are so transient they can hardly be overtaken by the eye and which from the passions being strongly guarded that give rise to these emotions are so slight that a common observer cannot discover them at all i am sure my mother did not but my sensibility was particularly roused at her relating a story that i did not then wish to have divulged and i was too much interested in the narrative not to attend precisely to its effects on the hearer i am neither angry with or surprised at miss birchall for her scepticism on this occasion she loves mr falkland and had not herself the power to resist him she knows he once loved me and may fancy he does so still nay thinks perhaps i am not indifferent towards him she is a stranger to my heart but is convinced that her aunt is base enough first to ensnare to vice and then to betray upon the whole there is nothing unnatural in her suspicions but i think they could not proceed from a virtuous mind upon miss birchall's taking leave my mother gave her a general invitation to come to her as often as she had leisure telling her she must not take it amiss if she did not return her visits as her health would not permit her to go much abroad miss birchall it seems has a house not lodgings in a retired street in westminster where she has been ever since she quitted her aunt to whom she never discovered where she lived her fortune enables her to appear very genteelly in the private manner she chooses to live she goes but seldom into public and has but a narrow circle of acquaintance those are all of her own sex and of the best character and she has had the good fortune to preserve her reputation unsuspected so that i hope she may yet retrieve her error by an advantageous match should mr falkland still continue averse to her september the twenty eighth i have had a letter from patty she tells me her master is returned home and adds to be sure the vile wicked wretch let him know you were gone she says he called for the two dear babes and kissed them both patty carried the youngest to him in her arms and the other in her hand and she says he looked troubled how came you not to follow your lady mrs martha said he she replied my lady was willing sir that i should stay to look after the children and to be a spy upon my actions i suppose is not that to be part of your employment too ah patty patty mrs arnold had better have looked to her own conduct patty made no answer but retired in tears every one in the house she writes is broken-hearted but that mr arnold is never at home spending his whole time with mrs gerard whom the girl in the overflowings of her zeal for me heartily execrates she informed him that i was gone to london and purposed living with my mother who was now there october the seventh 
i have just received a letter from lady v she tells me she sent twice to invite mr arnold to dine with them in order if possible to lead him into a conversation by which they hoped in some measure to have cleared my innocence as my lord could take upon him to justify mr falkland but he declined coming not knowing perhaps that mr falkland was absent from v hall she said her lord had gone to south park but either mr arnold was not at home or denied himself my lady adds it is a delicate affair to interpose in yet would i have ventured to have wrote to your husband if i had been sure that you had no objection to my telling him that you had made me privy to the cause of your parting tis plain by his avoiding us it is a subject he does not care to come to an explanation upon let me have your sentiments and i will act accordingly i shall answer lady v s letter directly and beg of her to leave the matter as it is mrs gerard's testimony will have more weight than all my good lord or lady could urge in my favour besides they are not furnished with sufficient weapons to combat against such an enemy they know nothing of miss birchill's story my regard to her character prevented me from giving my lady this specimen of her aunt's baseness i suppose the same reason may have closed mr falkland's lips on that subject so that they have nothing to allege against mrs gerard which would help to invalidate her testimony with regard to mr falkland and me mr arnold indeed knows that she has forfeited her pretensions to modesty but the delusion of self-love blinds a man in these cases and he can believe that truth sincerity and justice inhabit the bosom of her whose passion for him alone has caused a deviation from chastity i cannot think of exposing poor miss birchill by giving up her secret though it might contribute to clear me by turning mr arnold's suspicions on mrs gerard yet would she have great reason to resent it more especially as she is now by a blameless life endeavouring to blot out the memory of her fault though my lady v is very prudent her zeal for me and my lord's good-natured earnestness in my cause might render them unguarded on the occasion and should they attempt to make use of this secret in order to criminate mrs gerard it might at the same time bring malicious censures both on miss birchill and mr falkland i think upon the whole my mother is the properest person to mediate on this nice occasion when mr arnold comes to town she can with due tenderness to the young lady disclose the whole affair to him the knowledge of this black part of mrs gerard's character joined to her arguments may perhaps have some weight though to tell you the secret bodings of my heart i expect not much from this i have lost my husband's love mrs gerard possesses it all and who knows whether he even wishes to lose his pretence for abandoning an unhappy wife i wish however mr falkland were returned to v hall should mr arnold know of his absence at this juncture he might imagine possibly he was gone in quest of me 
October the twelfth. How the scene is changed, my sister! What a melancholy reverse is here to my late prospect of domestic happiness! I pass my nights in tears and bitter reflections on my dismal situation. My days are spent in a painful constraint to conceal the anguish of my own heart that I may not aggravate that of my poor mother. My endeavours to be cheerful, I perceive, have a good effect on her. She is much more composed, and seems resigned to our fate, patiently waiting for a change. I think, too, she is rather better in her health. She has had the advice of a physician of eminent skill. The medicines prescribed, he gives us hope, will keep her disorder at least from gaining ground, and that she may hold out for some years. I have prevailed on her not to give Sir George an account of my unhappy story till I hear that Mr. Falkland has left him, because I know my brother would conceal nothing from him, and if possible I would have Mr. Arnold's suspicions of him concealed. I have many reasons for this. My own delicacy would receive a wound by it, for who knows what judgment Mr. Falkland might form on this knowledge. But my most material objection is, should he attempt to vindicate his own honour, what might be the consequence? I shudder to think of it. I know Mr. Falkland is rash when provoked. Rather let my sufferings and my disgrace lie wrapped in oblivion than bring any disaster on the father of my children. October the 16th. Another letter from Lady V. She tells me that Mr. Falkland is returned from his visit to my brother. He was soon informed of my parting with Mr. Arnold. Tis the talk of the neighbourhood. Everybody lays it on Mrs. Gerard. Mr. Falkland was very inquisitive to learn particulars from my lady, which he said he was sure I had told her, but she took care not to give him the least hint which could lead him to suppose that he had any share in my fate. She says he raves like a madman, and that she finds it absolutely necessary to keep him in ignorance of the truth. She was obliged to tell him that my having discovered Mr. Arnold's amour with Mrs. Gerard, she believed, was the sole cause of our separation. He asked her, was she sure there was no other, adding that he thought my temper had been too gentle to fly on a sudden to such extremes. My lady took occasion to ask him whether he did not visit Mrs. Gerard. He replied, he did sometimes having formerly known her at bath she concludes with telling me that mr arnold is become quite invisible to every friend he has mrs gerard engrossing him wholly i hope mr falkland may not suspect how much he is concerned in my misfortune my absenting myself for some time before i left home from v hall and my departure from my husband immediately after my interview with Mr. Falkland at Mrs. Gerard's may raise some distrust in his mind. But, while it continues merely surmise, he can have no pretence for requiring an explanation from Mr. Arnold, 
so that if my husband keeps his own counsel, which he seems inclined to do, and my lord and Lady V preserve the secret, I shall rest satisfied. October the 20th My mother has wrote to Sir George and given him a full account of my situation, with a request which I prevailed on her to make, that he would not take any notice of the affair till he saw us. My brother perhaps may think of a way, with tenderness and safety, to remove Mr. Arnold's doubts, without farther exposing my reputation or laying my husband open to mischief. A prudent, cool, and at the same time zealous friend might devise some means to effect this. But I fear my brother's disregard to Mr. Arnold, his diminished love for me, and his resentment to my mother, will prevent him from engaging with that alacrity or precaution that the nicety of circumstances may require. I will therefore wait with patience till God in his own time shall raise me from the state of humiliation into which I am fallen. October the 22nd. With what a tortoise pace does time advance to the wretched! How dismal are those hours which are spent in reflecting on lost happiness! O oh, Falkland, how light was thy transgression if we consider the consequences compared to that which has driven me from my home and from my children, steeled my husband's heart against me, heaped infamy on my head, and loaded my mother's age with sorrow and remorse. All this is the fatal consequence of Mr. Arnold's breach of his marriage vow, all this, and much more, I fear, that is to come. We keep ourselves entirely concealed from the knowledge of all our acquaintance. Not a mortal visits us, but now and then Miss Birchill, and I have never stirred out of doors but to church. October the 28th Sir George has answered my mother's letter just as I feared he would. He speaks of Mr. Arnold with more contempt and aversion than he does of me with pity or brotherly kindness. He says, It is well for him that Mr. Falkland knows not of his injurious suspicions of him, or he would vindicate himself in a manner he little thinks of. He tells us he does not know at this distance how to advise, but that, as I am of so patient and forbearing a spirit, he thinks my wrongs may sleep till he comes to town, which cannot yet be these three or four weeks, having leases to renew with his tenants and abundance of other business to do in the country. So much for George's tenderness. October the 29th my comforts are circumscribed within a very narrow compass, for I cannot reckon one but what I receive from poor Patty's letters, who never fails to send me weekly an account of my dear little children. They are well, thank God, and not yet abandoned by their father. But even the knowledge of this is embittered by repeated hints of Mr. Arnold's lost condition lost i may call it for his whole soul as absorbed in the mad pursuit of his own ruin the poor girl in the bitterness of her indignation tells me 
he has made mrs gerard a present of a favourite little pad of mine she says she had a mind to tear her off when she saw her mounted upon it i wish not to be told of any of mr arnold's motions and should forbid patty to write to me anything on the subject but that i fear my letter might fall into mr arnold's hands his curiosity might lead him to open it for the conscious mind will descend to meanness and if he should see my prohibition he would be satisfied that his servant was too free in her censures i am sure he is quite unconcerned at my knowing his conduct but i would not nevertheless for my children's sake bring this tender faithful poor creature into disgrace with him by convincing him of the liberty she takes though he may very naturally suspect it october the thirtieth a lady of our acquaintance who happened to see me at church came to pay me a visit to-day it seems she is intimate with the widow arnold who told her very lately that she was impatient for the commencement of term as she then expected the cause depending between her and us would be brought to a final issue and determined entirely in her child's favour this account alarmed my poor mother so much that she could not be easy till she sent for our lawyer who was so obliging as to come upon the first summons she acquainted him with the cause of her apprehensions and asked him whether there was any likelihood of the widow's succeeding he laughed at my mother's fears and at our antagonist flourishes as he called them and said he would not give a best six months to ensure mr arnold's estate to him which the ensuing term he says will put out of the reach of doubt this assurance has quieted our anxiety on that head the loss of our suit would indeed be a dreadful blow as we should have nothing then remaining but my small jointure for the support of mr arnold myself and our two children not to mention mrs gerard who i have reason to believe has been no inconsiderable sharer in mr arnold's fortune november the fourth six melancholy weeks are gone since i have been here i may say both a prisoner and a fugitive i count the days as they pass as if i expected some revolution in my fate yet whence is it to come no prospect as yet opens to me mr arnold's law affairs will soon call him to town something may then happen but does not mrs gerard come too he cannot live without her and i shall reap no benefit from this but the chance of seeing my children sometimes perhaps though he may not bring them with him or if he does he may be cruel enough to refuse me the sight of them sir george is cold and dilatory were he on the spot something might be done he might expostulate my mother too could join arguments to entreaties mr arnold perhaps might be recovered from his delusion it is but a perhaps november the fifteenth my brother is arrived in town sooner than we expected and came this evening to pay us a visit 
my altered and dejected looks i believed shocked him but george wants tenderness or at least a capacity of showing it after a recapitulation of my story he asked me could i be so mean-spirited a creature as ever to think of living with arnold again even though he should be inclined to desire it i told him he considered the matter in a wrong light and that he ought to reflect on my reputation and the future welfare of my two poor little girls who would be material sufferers from the want of my care and attention as they grew up not to mention the disadvantages they would enter into life with by my continuing under an aspersion which might in time become very public and perhaps be believed too as i made no doubt but that mrs gerard would take pains to propagate it wherever she went my mother added mr arnold too might be saved from perdition if he could be so far convinced of his wife's innocence as to be reconciled to her and live with her again and pray said sir george how is this to be done if that damned woman has put it into his head that falkland and you are fond of one another do you imagine that he will believe what you say what your brother or your mother or even falkland himself could say to the contrary i own to you very fairly that i so much despise the man that unless you will give me leave to talk to him my own way i will have nothing to say to him at all would you have me sue to him for a reconciliation and try to persuade him out of the belief of an imaginary injury which probably he was glad to make a handle of to get rid of you no sydney you may be as tame as you please yourself but it does not become your brother to be so when i go to him i must insist upon not having rules prescribed to me your delicacy in regard to falkland's asserting your innocence i have nothing to say against but there can be no objection to your brother's vindicating the honour of his family i saw sir george's resentment was roused to the highest pitch his eyes sparkled with indignation and his whole frame seemed agitated dear brother said i i conjure you and i fell upon my knees and clasped both my arms round his do not add to my affliction by involving yourself and my husband in a fatal quarrel what difference would it make to me if mr arnold should fall whether it is by your hand or mr falkland's the loss would be the same the misfortune the publication of my disgrace the shame your husband said he breaking from me though a little softened would have as good a chance as i if it came to the hazard or perhaps he might condescend to take you again if you will have it so without coming to these extremities if i am suffered to argue properly with him i will not consent to your seeing him at all said i eagerly the cause is now my own he answered coolly but i will do nothing to aggravate your distress i did not like the manner in which he spoke 
My mother, who till now had been silent, caught the alarm. "'Let me entreat you, son,' said she, "'to drop the thoughts of any violent methods with Mr. Arnold. "'If you value your sister's peace, "'or have any regard to the obedience you owe me, "'I insist on it, "'that you neither see him nor write to him "'without our knowledge and consent. "'And if you do not promise me this, "'I renounce all ties of kindred or affection to you. "'Your mother has as just a sense of honour "'of her family as you have.' "'but it is not on so hot a head and so weak an arm "'that she depends to see it justified to the world.' "'Sir George, who was nettled at my mother's spirited rebuke, "'made a low bow. "'No doubt of it, madam,' said he. "'There will be a miracle wrought in my sister's favour. "'I would have you let her try the experiment of the ordeal.' "'I dare say she would come off victorious, "'and then Mr. Arnold will do you the favour "'to take her home again.' "'I wish,' said my mother, gravely, "'that there was a possibility of bringing "'my dear child's innocence to such a proof. "'I would not hesitate a minute to put it to the trial, "'but since there is not such a thing nowadays, "'I will wait till God in his own righteousness "'shall judge her cause.' and clear her to the world. Therefore, son, I insist upon your promise before you leave me. I give you my word, madam, answered Sir George, I will not attempt to hold any conference with Mr. Arnold without your knowledge. Will that satisfy you? It does, answered my mother, for I think I can rely upon your word. Sir George left us not very well satisfied with each other. His pride and resentment piqued to the highest. I cannot censure him for it here. He has cause. But the case is a nice and difficult one. The gratification of a private spleen ought not to enter into the measures he should pursue. Glad I am that my mother's properly exerted resolution has tamed him a little. Though George sometimes fails in the respect which he owes her, yet I never knew him wilfully to disobey her commands or oppose her inclinations. Tis well there is any hold on a disposition so ungentle and self-willed as his. November the 18th My brother has taken a very handsome house in Pall Mall, and told my mother, between jest and earnest, he is going to give her a daughter-in-law to make up for the loss of her son-in-law. He is in reality making his addresses to Lady Sarah P., the daughter of a new-created peer. She has a great fortune, he tells me, but I know nothing more of her. I wish him better success in his nuptials, if they take place, than I have had. End of section 16